Today is Wednesday, January 24th, 2024, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, we talk about miracles and drugs uh, with our guest, Connie Frisbee. So uh, she has an issue going on that she'd like some advice about with someone in her life that she's trying to help, and it's getting increasingly difficult because of drugs and other things, and uh, talking about miracles and what we can control in our natural means versus relying on the power of God for then we talk about the sneaky squid spirit. Uh, it makes its return with uh, infidelity and pastors and apparently this church story where um, everyone is just being very immoral with everyone else, um, so much so that someone, uh, you know, peaced out and left the church. And they're like, well, is that a spiritual thing? Or is it just everyone's own, like, selfish fleshly desires are making them do this? Or uh, we talk about that. So cheating pastors. Um, and then we talk about, I don't know, I... I, I have to go pick up a bicycle for my child today. So we talk about, uh, you know, letting kids play versus now versus when we were young and, you know, safety protocols, security, like all, all kinds of other stuff going on in today's world and how guarded we need to be. Um, spoiler, very. So um, I also learned a valuable lesson today. Never, never call a woman's hair wispy. <laughs> Apparently that's bad. I was I was referring to like how people will want like the feathery tips or whatever at the end of their hair. And it's like... um. You know, make, make it, like, thinned on the ends or thinned out or whatever the term was. Apparently, the term is not wispy. I'm like, I didn't mean your whole head. You're, I'm not saying you're going bald. Anyway, so uh, I I hopefully will learn from my mistakes and just not use that word. <laughs> Anyways, um, check out the Ask a Christian store and support this podcast if you like. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't like it. I don't know. After today's conversation, who knows? You can also check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Uh, learn how to have civil conversations with people who are not always so civil. Um, apparently using the word wispy is not a way to do that. So um, have an awesome day and we will catch you later. I have something that I think would, that I'm interested in finding out other Christians feel about. And that is, do you think that, um, that if you were in a situation, which I think is coming in the future, I might not live long enough for it, but I, I might. Um, where if you were in a uh, tight space that you could pass through a crowd unnoticed like Jesus did, do you think that um, that it's even possible to, to maybe walk on water? Uh, what do you think about that, Nate? Well, I mean, I guess with God all things are possible, but if, I mean, depending where you're going, like walking on water is probably not, but I'll try probably like, you know, burrowing like a few hundred feet into the earth is maybe the miracle I'd be looking for. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, if you don't, and, and, um, I think it's in second Kings where it talks about, uh, when the, when the Jews were under siege, when Israel, when, when the, when the city was under siege and they were starving to death in Kings and the lepers decided that they would go to the camp of the enemy. Um, perhaps they would throw them something to eat like dogs and at least they were going to die anyway. So they might get slaughtered by them. And God had caused a disturbance and scared them and they fled leaving their pots of food cooking and all their equipment and their tents up and everything. And 
as the lepers were gorging themselves and looting and taking stuff away, they decided, they said amongst themselves, if we don't tell them, uh, they'll kill us because they're dying. And here we are with all this plenty. And the day before that, a prophet had said, uh, the city gates that the, the next day that, um, bread could be bought for practically nothing. And somebody at the gate mocked the prophet and said, and, and, and said, what is, is it going to fall down from heaven or something like that? And the prophet told that person, you'll see it, but you won't eat it. And, um, uh, I think Jezebel's in that story too, but the message is if you can't believe God and his promises, you'll see it, but you won't taste it. So my position is if you don't even step out and try to access the power of God, you won't. If you don't believe that it's there and it's available for you, you'll see it, but you won't taste it. In other words, you'll see it, but you won't be able to experience it. Um, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, it's, I think there's not one size fits all. I guess that's my immediate position. Like, yes, the Bible stories are true. And I believe that happened as written, but to say, um, like off the top of my head, I'm trying to find like a redemptive arc. Like, um, I don't know, maybe Samson. I mean, even though it didn't end well, uh, you know, he, he disobeyed God, you know, he, I don't know if you could say he didn't believe God, that he's like, hey, here's your secret. Don't tell her your secret to your hair. And he, you know, told Delilah anyways. Um, so could that be unbelief? Like if he believed God, like why wouldn't he keep his mouth shut? So, um, you know, he tells her, loses his power. So maybe you can make an argument that, well, he was, he was uh, you know, redeemed or given a second chance when he got his power back. So he didn't lose his power forever, um, but it didn't exactly work out great for him. Um, but yeah, so to say like if, if someone um, makes a mistake or, you know, fails some sort of test or, or whatever you're saying, to say they will always see but never get to experience, I don't know if we could say that 100% of the time, but I definitely think we could say it plenty of the time. Well, um, my, my position is, is that if you don't, if you don't uh, put yourself, if you don't go in that direction. If you never, it's like the talents, God gives us all talents. I believe they're given to everybody, regardless of being a Christian or not. I believe they're given at birth. And then I think that when you are born again, you get other callings or other things in your life that you should do. But um, I only bring it up because in that move of God in the late sixties and the seventies, because of the powerful darkness that myself and a lot of kids from that generation came out of, we had a very clear understanding of how powerful the darkness was. And because the, the darkness that we were being pulled out of was so dark, the power that God used to pull us out was so much greater that it was very easy to believe that... Uh, we used to call them coincidences until they became, uh, it's rid ridiculous. And, and we knew that, that it was God because that just couldn't happen 
all the time. I mean, provisions and um, uh, things like that. And I, I wanted I wanted to talk about it because I want the young people today to know that um, that they can experience miracles. Um, I don't believe they ever left, but I believe that if we don't have our mind focused on God being as powerful as he is, that we'll see it, but we won't taste it. It's just, it's just something I've been thinking a lot about. I believe that we could pass through a crowd unseen if we believe that God would do that for us. But if we don't believe that God would use us in that kind of a powerful way, we wouldn't be used. It's kind of like you get what you believe, you know. I don't know what you think about that. Well, it's kind of like praying in the will of God too, right? Because, you know, atheists like to say, well, look, the Bible says you can move a mountain. So move a mountain, Nate. Go ahead and move a mountain. That, that's my atheist voice. Um, it's like, well, I mean, keep reading. It also says, you know, this is how you should pray. You know, not my will, but your will be done. And, you know, pray in the will of God. So ultimately, like, you know, I, I kind of see that I don't know where the convergence is. But if there's something that conflicts with God, like, hey, God, I pray you smite this person dead, uh, you know, um, I mean, I mean, let's just say that's probably not in God's will, because, you know, Second Peter, you know, God's uh, what not slow um, to act or whatever, but wanting everyone to come to repentance and giving everyone a chance. Um, so let's just say that, you know, smiting someone dead is not in God's will, um, even if you have a lot of faith. Um, well, the, the, I think there's a really good chance that's not going to happen because you're let's just say you're not praying in God's will. So if there's anything that you could take away from like like miracles like that, like, I don't know, like I really want to pass through unnoticed. I mean, I, I would probably try to just, I don't know, wear a hoodie and a ball cap first um, rather than going supernatural. But I don't know. I mean, if there's something like that where, you know, God supernaturally doesn't want you to get caught because you're, I don't know, you're carrying the gospel to people and like somewhere in China or something like that. Um, and God really wants the gospel to get to these people. Um, sure. I don't see any problem with, you know, people like averting their eyes or not paying attention to you and letting you pass. Um, but at what point you say that was absolute divine intervention or uh, just no one was paying attention to you. I don't know, but yeah, I mean the, the final thought of me is yes, it totally can happen. Um, but I also wouldn't go chasing after, um, you know, signs or wonders either. Um, it, it's more like for me, I, I would focus on God's will. And then if signs and wonders follow, great. Um, if it leads a different direction, also fine. Um. <laughs> okay. I just... Um... If you're not, if you if you won't put yourself out there, though, you it won't happen. And we were so young and so unchurched that uh, when we read the Bible, we just believed it. And so things did happen. I would call them miracles, but um, you know, the people that were there that saw it would know it. Other people would have to choose to believe whether or not the person telling. Uh, about the event was either a truthful person or a lying, but um, we did put some things we did put some things to to the test, and and it was only because we were for, we were we were forced to, you know, we were dealing with a lot of crazy people, and some of them it was pretty demonic, I would say, straight up demonic. Unfortunately, for the people who are atheists, they don't believe in that sort of thing. So they don't know that 
that uh, they can have interactions with with the spiritual world and not be aware of it. But as Christians, we are aware of it. I agree with that. Okay. That's what I had to say. That's what's been on my mind lately. So thought I'd put it out there since you were struggling for something to talk about. I think it's of a great interest myself, the power of God and, and how to access it. Right now, I'm in spiritual warfare really bad. And um, the Lord is beginning to teach me better, more perfectly, how to do spiritual warfare. And, um, and part of that, the lesson that I'm learning is to not, um, to not see, you know, like if you lie, you put, you've got one foot, the Lord says yes or no, anything outside of that comes from, from the darkness, comes from Satan, comes from the darkness. So the, the more that I don't involve myself with the, this person that's, um, um, this person can't stand the fact that I'm not helping them anymore. And I've helped this girl since she was 10 years old and she's now in her forties and I can't help her anymore because I'm, I'm 75 and, and I just don't have the, the energy to help her anymore. And she's kind of stalking me and even climbing over my gate and it's pretty radical. Oh, um, I think you mentioned that. Yeah. So before. Right. So I, ha- I'm, she's parking up at the, head of my driveway and it's not like a driveway in the city it's like uh, a city block to my gate right and there's trees and you can't see the road and it's like that so when she comes over it, it can be pretty clandestine so um i'll give you an update on it because i really think that god is is showing me some things about um how to not because I could, I, I could, I have friends that would go pay her a visit, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's not what God wants to do. And that's what I'm talking about, involving any of the darkness and trying to have uh, something from the light as the outcome. And uh, we never have these conversations as Christians on uh, this side. I've never run into any group of people talking about how to access the power of God and how to draw closer to the Lord. But anyway, that's what I've been thinking about lately. And while I do think possible, I mean, I also think, you know, it's like when, when, um, you know, people will say like a doctor, you know, a doctor does brain surgery and, you know, fixes someone's problem. And, you know, people start uh, giving God the glory for that. And it drives atheists uh, crazy. Because they're like, God didn't do that. The doctor did that. He went to medical training and he did blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, we still believe God put everything in motion for us to have technology, us to have the ability to live past 30, um, us to do this. So if you're going to blame God indirectly for all the evil in the world, you may as well give God credit for things that seemingly indirectly happen that are good. Anyways, that being said, um, while I do believe, I don't know, in some circumstance, uh, maybe you could, I don't know, call fire down from heaven and, you know, actually smite someone or scare them or something uh, in a very supernatural display of the power of God. I am, I'm sure that happens somewhere. Um, but I mean, also, we have things like, I don't know, the county sheriff and 
um, you know, the Second Amendment <laughs> for self-defense only. I know, you but know. when you've been loving somebody for so long like that, you know, I've had this girl in my house. She's grown up and had a child of her own, and I've housed her and her child and fed her and sent money to her when she was in prison. She's gone to prison several times, sent her train tickets, plane tickets, uh, brought her food. Um, you just don't want to turn her over to the cops because you've been talking to her about the love of God. So that's what I'm talking about. Um, I could well, go, I could well, go there, or I could trust God to manage the situation. And that's kind of a a wobble because well, there, know, uh, for me, but I don't want to. I don't want to be the cause. I don't want a Christian who's loved somebody for that long to be the cause of sending somebody to jail. It just doesn't seem to fit right. Okay. Well, if, I mean, if you don't want to be the cause of sending her to jail, she could be the cause of prematurely sending you to heaven. So, I mean, you know, I guess just well, that you would know, be okay. <laughs> well, right, right. So, so, so here's your, so here's your choices. I see it right, and I don't think tough love is bad. Like you know, we see examples of kind of tough love in the Bible. Um, so, and by the way, it's not like you're, you would be sending her to prison for the rest of her life. It'd be like trespassing. And the cop would be like, hey, don't do that again. And if she keeps going there again, well, I mean, she's doing it herself. So at some point, it's like, no, no, I'm not sending you to jail. You're sending yourself there. Stop stalking me. Um, so, I mean, you, you could do one of two things. You could do nothing. Um, and, you know, one night you wake up and she's standing over you and does something really bad. And, you know, you totally do as you say. And you rely on God right then in that moment before you, you know, meet your maker um there's something god supernaturally intervenes and she has a saul damascus moment and she's like oh my gosh i'm crazy uh, uh for doing this sorry i'll leave you alone now and maybe she converts or whatever um so that would be what you're talking about like relying totally on god for a supernatural um you know display of his power from heaven to stop something bad that she's trying to do to you or that doesn't happen and you know she does something really bad and well you're in heaven or you know you do something that i think most people would do call the cops, get a restraining order and, you know, have her trespass. And they're like, Hey, if you come here again, you will go to jail. And then if she does, it's totally in her hands. If, if she goes to jail, it's her fault. So those are three um, options as I see it, um, totally rely on God. And the two outcomes from that is either she does something really bad. You end up in heaven anyway, which is fine. Or she tries to do something really bad. God supernaturally stops her. Um, she recognizes the error of her ways. And that's, that's really good. Um, you know, or put the ball in her court and be like, hey, don't come over here again or go to jail. Um, well, Connie, I, 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 I sense... Well, let Connie you respond. Let Connie like respond this. real fast, CEO, oh, before I, you I'm interrupt. Gonna, but, but it's CEO, let, let the that's lady okay, respond. That's okay, that's okay. I, I, I know, hang on, CEO, stop. It, it, it's bothering me more and more. Like, when, when someone replies, and before that, like, it happened to Michael three times yesterday. Before the guy could reply, he was directly responded to, and like four other people jumped in. And then by the time he actually wanted to respond, he's like, I have no idea what was said. So, Connie, you started to reply, and then we'll oh, get my, CEO. But that's, that's, that's okay. My reply is, I am going to trust God to keep me protected. I've known this girl since she was 10 years old. It is scary because I'm telling you, she looks like a wild woman. It, 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 it was quite disturbing. You know, I find out that people either get better as they get older or they get worse. And you know that I, I drove truck for United Parcel Service for 29 years up here in the mountains. And I noticed over time, because sometimes you can be on a route for five years. My last one was 11 years. And, um, and, you, and you observe people over time. And 
if they're crabby people, they just get crabbier and crabbier and crabbier. And the nice people just seem to get sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. So um, this girl has chosen a path of drugs and, and uh, lawlessness. And, but, but she's been implanted with the love of God, and she certainly has tasted of it. So my hope is that at some point um, she'll come towards the light. And, but I'll let you know. Anyway, um, CEO, what did you have to say, brother? Um, yeah, I was, I was just going to ask you, um, it seems to me like you're the sort of person that would have prayed over this, and what nudging did you get in the spirit when you did? I'm walking through a time where I'm beginning to just start to really grab a hold of, um, and, I'm, and I've been doing this since I was 19, so, and I'm 75. You'd think this would have happened sooner, but just... Um, almost, uh, you know, like, like, like the Lord, he disregarded the shame when people spit on him and said things about him. And, and I certainly have some pretty trashy things out on the internet being said about me. And, um, although I haven't gone to look, some of my friends have, have told me, bless their hearts. And, you know, it can be pretty daunting to think that people think so ill of you. But um, um, still in all, the Lord disregarded the shame and left the judgment to his heavenly father to mete out to those who spat on him and, and called him names. And this happened before he was crucified. It happened throughout his ministry. And we know this from Timothy and Titus, but um, that's what I'm aiming for. I don't want to go to the cops. I don't like policemen very much. There are some good ones, but I would say if I was going to say uh, how many good ones to how many bad ones, I would say probably more bad ones. Um, that's been my lifetime experience, and one of my earliest experiences as a child was the cops coming to my house. I had a really violent childhood, but um, yeah, there are some good ones, but I don't want to involve that even though they do serve a good purpose. And I do believe that they should be paid well for the service that they do. I just wish that they would behave better most of the time. But I don't want to go there. I don't want to. I want to. And it doesn't matter. Like you said, all she can do is, is take me out of the box. And I don't think that's going to happen. But um, I think yeah, so that she's... It sounds like you've got your answer. Yeah. That's... I just wanted to find out how what other people thought about accessing the power of God and how to get your prayers answered. I do know that if you pray for the will of God, it comes faster. I do know that if you can ferret it out. But um, I do believe in miracles. I've I do believe in the in the power of God. I just wanted to know what my brothers and sisters out there thought about. Um, have they had any interactions with the Holy Spirit like that? How about you, CEO? Have you had that kind of experience? I, I absolutely have. And the one thing that I constantly work on, and um, I encourage you to, to think about it, if this has been a struggle for you, is sometimes we have a conclusion, and then we try to make things work towards our conclusion. And one of the most challenging things to do is to really kind of test that with prayer and see if you hear anything different, and then being able to follow that. So... 
that's well, that's been a, a big part of my journey, and I've had to have the Holy Spirit wrestle me down to kind of go that way because I, I picked what I wanted and kind of was stubborn about that until I got wrestled. And, and I don't know what you're doing, but you have a lot of background noise going on back there. Um, well, Steph, what about you? If did, you could you hear me, for... though? Did you? Did you hear me? Oh, we heard you. We heard you. Uh, yeah, we heard you plus. <laughs> but Steph, if you forgive me for calling your hair wispy, I meant it like, you know, like freeing, like, you know, how it's like, how, how your picture looks. <laughs> Do you have any, anything you'd like to say? Just a tip, Nate, never tell your wife her hair looks wispy. Just, just delete that word from your hair vocabulary. Well, what do you call it? Yeah, no, that's accurate. How is it's like, like fine or feathery, feather-like, angelic? <laughs> I love hearing men try to describe hair. This is good. I like this. Um, Nate, you don't hair understand. Good. Wispy implies thin, maybe, maybe ephemeral or ethereal, Ooh, or yeah. right. Yeah, don't don't do that, Nate. And um, I like what really like what Connie said. What a blessing to stumble into this room this morning. Uh, like, um, I remember a interview that Peter Bogosian did with a former leftist, a a really lovely woman whose name is now escaping me, of course, because I'm sharing it with you guys. I'll think of it in a minute. But she said when she came to Christ, uh, and uh, she faces discrimination and bigotry and callousness. It's just in the Bible. Remember, they hated me first. <laughs> Look what they did to him. So, you know, when people add <clears throat> K's to my name or pronounce my name funny, it really puts it in perspective that, okay, Monica, you're, you're going to be okay because, you know, look what they did to the perfect man. So thanks, guys, for the testimony this morning. It was lovely. Connie has some great testimonies. Sticker, everyone follow Connie. You'll hear some good stuff. Um, although I know you don't like a crowd, I'm always encouraging a crowd after Connie because I'm learning so much from you. But, like, <laughs> I know you don't really like it. Connie, I have some other thoughts about this woman who's been around you. But I know you kind of want to change the subject, so I'm just going to keep it brief. No, that's okay. I don't mind talking about it. I like to find out what my brothers and sisters feel about things like that. You know, and I find that... It's usually when I'm pushed, like you said, CEO, you know, when I'm wrestled to the ground, you know, my most of my fighting has to do with me and my heavenly father, right? Because I want to know everything, but he, <laughs> but I don't, and he does. And it's, there's that constant tug of war there going on. But um, I have to say, CEO, when he does wrestle me to the ground, something usually happens that's good for me. Thank you, Monica. And uh, it is, but m my push, Steph, is that I'm on my way out the door and I want to leave whatever I saw and experienced to encourage the people that are coming up behind me to trust God and that he is trustworthy and he is powerful. Um, I'll just say, one day there's a church that was being built near here. It was really funny because the guy that's the pastor of this church today actually stole the church from my pastor. It was it was a church that was started by Pastor Paul, and it was meeting in a 
in a building called the Grange. It's a kind of a farmer thing that used to be around. And it was a pretty thriving little congregation of about 200 people. And we had purchased some land down the road and planning on building a church there. And while the pastor was away with his wife for a needed vacation, he went behind his back to the board members and literally took the church from him. And um, and this was a really good man. Uh, pastor Paul was a really good man. And of course, it split the church in half and um, and caused a lot of pain and hurt. But um, when the church got built, it had such good acoustics that me and some of my girlfriends who sing and play instruments decided to go over and give it an acapella try. And um, as we were, you know, doing our little doo-wop songs and Jesus songs, uh, this young boy came in. Uh, we were up on the podium and um, he came through a side door. And all the, nobody in the group but me really was paying any attention. I turned around and looked at him, and, and he said out loud, he said, my wife has told me to leave. And you could just see he was breaking. And um, I had just gotten to a place in praying that um, I found out that if I pray for the will of God, that things usually popped off pretty quickly. And so I grabbed both of his hands and started talking to him. And I asked him, I, I said, do you believe the, uh, the, the, uh, the Bible? Do you believe the promises in the word of God? And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, um, let's pray. And I said, do you believe that God has arranged the marriage so that the um, husband is to care for the wife and cover her and provide for her and and he goes, yes, I do. And I said, well, I'm going to, this is, the, I said, well, can you agree with me in prayer that, um, that the kitchen cabinet will need to be mended, that the latch handle on, the, on your car door will break? Can you believe that with me? If we pray those things, would you believe that for me, with me, so that she will have to call you to come back? And he said, yes, I will. Well, he was desperate. Like CEO said, he was down right? He was at his bottom. He, the, the, the sound of his voice when it came out of him just, I mean, reached down into my gut. And, um, and so we prayed these things, that all these things would break in our house. And um, I didn't see the, the, this person again. It was my church. I, I had found someplace else to go. And, um, but about six months later in the grocery store, I hear somebody calling Hey, Connie, I turned around and it was this young man and he came up to me and he said, you'll never guess what. I am back with my wife. Do you know that the cupboard door latch broke? The I had to go mend the car. The car broke. And he says, and now we're back together. Those are the kinds of things that I call miracles. I call that a miracle. It wasn't much of a prayer, but it was the prayer that, that needed and it, and it happened. I think those are miracles. Uh, Connie, I, I hope that you'll consider writing a book and doing an audio book because you have like the most relaxing voice on Clubhouse. Facts. 
I'm scared to death to do that now. I'm not afraid of this girl that's climbing over my fence and trying to run me over with, with a car. But uh, I don't. Uh, um, I have somebody that that Steph actually introduced me to. I'm going to be talking to on Friday. So if you think about it, you know, pray for pray for me. You know, maybe God could use something. Maybe I could be a Samson at the end of my life. That would be great if I could take more of the enemy down at the end than I did at the beginning, because. Uh, I do know what it's like to be beat up by the enemy. That's for sure. Well, you're starting now, so it's not, you know, <laughs> how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I'm going to be praying that that Friday meeting is fruitful. Connie started 50 years ago. We are way behind. Connie, Connie is humble. <laughs> the rest of us are, are not even close. You can't even believe it's not humbled, dear. It's just, um, it's love is what it is. It's, it's love being taken care of by our heavenly father. When you get some time under your belt, we'll all look back and see the same thing. How did that happen? How did I get here? How did in the world did I, this get taken care of? I can't even, you know, It'll happen to everybody that's a true follower of the Lord. That's a fact. He takes care of his children. You might not believe it when you're in the middle of the fire, and we're all going to be in the fire many times, or in the lion's den when you're being chewed up by your boss or, um, uh, you know, um, we're... We're in the fire, but he always brings us out. And the best part about it is for us Christians, we don't smell like smoke. We don't bring the bitterness and the hate and all that with us because our Heavenly Father keeps us tender. And that's what makes us different from the world. Connie, so I'm, I'm going to say something, but you are incredibly selfless. And I am, I struggle with selflessness quite a bit. So, you know take this or leave this. Like if this is not from the Lord, then let it just be trash. Um, there is something about like, like, and I'm sure you've known this. Have you ever, have you ever been really close with a drug addict and then like they start behaving in certain ways and you realize that selflessness isn't helping them. Right. Like that's what's happening right now. Yes. I met this girl when she was 10. Her mother was a drug addict. My exactly. mother was a drug addict. My sister is, I've had my sister at my house for a week. She's gowed. She's strung out uh, on methadone. Um, she can't remember 90% of what she's done in her life. Um, I, my heart is breaking for this girl. Um, so, yeah, I know about drug addicts. We were dealing with drug addicts. Our ministry started in Haight-Ashbury. We got saved out of that situation, and we went right to the situation and began telling other people about the wonder, wonderful power and love of God. So, yeah. Well, so when you, when you have someone who really wants to change, right, somebody who's struggling with something like addiction or something that feels out of their control, and they really want to change, it, it, it looks a certain way. And so you're sharing the love of God with them. You're behaving in a selfless way. You're giving them time. You're giving them energy and you're seeing fruits from that, right? The person may still struggle, but you see some area of improvement. 
you see them, whatever. There's a million ways that that can look, right? Um, maybe they just start praying or maybe they just become more introspective. Maybe they actually stop uh, struggling so much with the thing that's causing them so much grief. Um, but in many situations, your help becomes not helpful. Like you end up just, that's what enabling is, right? And I'm not saying you're enabling this girl. I think that would be too far. But oh, I'm pretty sure I have enabled her. <laughs> I have probably helped her even buy her drugs. You know, yeah. by feeding her, you know, and clothing her. But, um, uh, you know, we're in the middle of the story. She's now gone to a place where she's climbing over my gate and she's right. raging because I'm not giving her help. You missed that part, Steph. She's no, raging. I know you've been telling me about it, so I do yeah. know a little bit. She's yeah, raging. and I remember a few and, months ago, she had. That's yeah. why I stopped helping her mostly because of what CEO said, I'm at the end of myself, right? I can't do any more for her. And now she, her helping her is really going to hurt me um, more than I'm willing to hurt. That's really, really probably where we're at. Yeah, and that's uh, good. But you said something else really interesting. You said that you don't think that you can call the police and also show the love of God at the same time. And I'm going to disagree. Um, oh, like, oh, okay, I think I can call the cops if she gets any worse. I, I might have to. Is that wolves or children? It's, that's my baby. I'm sorry, Nate. You just have to deal with it. I know it's been a long time since you had a baby. It sucks. <laughs> She's hungry. Um, but yeah, I mean, Connie, did you say wolves? Yes. Come here, but yes, I, I know. Thought it was like uh, your, don't you have dogs or something too? I thought it was like howling. Oh yeah, there was a dog barking, and the baby is howling. So yeah. Okay. I picked her up. It's fine. So Connie, there, there comes a point where it's like, if you do not, she is not going to make the decision to go away on her own. She is not going to make the decision to start loving God today because you don't have her arrested. She, I mean, maybe nothing is beyond, no one is beyond God's reach, right? And nothing is beyond possibility, but there comes a point where what you think is helping is actually hurting this person. And, and if you allow her to continue to do what she's doing, that ends up being reinforcement for her that that's an okay thing to do. She learns the wrong lesson. Um, and so, you know, I, I know that she's got issues with her mental health and with drugs and this is, you are not equipped to handle either of those things for somebody who doesn't want it. You are well equipped and well experienced in handling that sort of thing for people who do want the help. Um, but for people who don't, there's there's places for them to go. And there are specialists who are trained to actually handle it. And so I'm not saying you should call the police and have her arrested. I, I think that would be very hard for me in your situation to actually press charges. Um, but I think you ought to do something, not just for you, but also for her. She She cannot learn the lesson that this is okay to do to somebody. I know. Um, pray, pray about it, you guys. Serendipity? Cops or no cops? <laughs> uh, I think Steph gave very good advice. Not necessarily for the purpose of trying to get her arrested, but I think that at some point um, you need to let her know that you can you can no longer be that person for her and she needs to start identifying resources that may may actually be helpful. 
And I, I know it, if it, come from. it might come to that. I hope it doesn't. I, I hope it doesn't. But anyway, thank you guys for your input and CEO for your input too. Erin's calling on my other phone. <laughs> Tell her we said hello. Yes. She was here, was it yesterday or the other day? Were you here when she was here, Steph? Yeah, she won't She won't come into a room where Chris is. He, he He's not here. <laughs> I know, but that's why she came yesterday. It's because he left. Oh. <laughs> the days are running together. So I have to go pick up a bike for my child after a while. Facebook Marketplace is it's pretty good. Florida is a crazy place. Like I cannot imagine a place where you could pick up a bike in January. Like what? <laughs> what are you gonna do with a bike? Oh yeah, he lives in Florida. I forgot. I'm gonna ride it. Be careful when you go pick up things at other people's houses. Are you meeting them someplace safe? I'm going straight to their house. This is Florida. That's what I always do, too. Hey, I lived in house. Florida, Nate. What a crazy place to live. You, you have to, I'm going to ride my alligator to their house. Dude, we'll look out for all those people turning left from the middle lane. <laughs> yeah, what is that about? Why do Floridians do that? Florida has the worst drivers in the nation. Wait, they this... have a they have a, a miles per hour sign a minimum. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious! <laughs> like uh, when I first moved here, and and totally still because I obey all traffic laws. Um, w there's like three lanes everywhere you go, like on the interstates, and um, like three or more. And um, when we're in the fast lane, I'm like, I'm going. Okay, not me. Totally not me. Another person is is going. Um, let's say like five, six, seven miles over the speed limit. And I'm like, bro, you got to slow down. The posted speed limit's too fat, uh, too slow. Anyway, um, so this other person, totally not me, is going like a, a decent amount over the speed limit in the fast lane. And there's like very elderly people, probably in their 80s or plus, um, in the the slow lane next to us, just zooming by, just zooming by. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, if you're not doing 90, you're slow. You belong in the slow lane. That was that was weird to adjust to. Okay. It also has some horrific drivers for the record. Pennsylvania and Florida are the two worst. Um, Steph, try yes. a North Carolina drivers in snow weather. That is the worst thing you've ever seen. CEO no, is back in snow. Uh, that's a whole other thing. Let, let me make another attempt to dig myself out of my rut. CEO asked what wispy means. Yes, what Monica said, it does mean thin, but I didn't mean like your whole head is wispy as if you're losing your hair. I meant specifically, you see the very like last couple inches of her hair in the PTR, how it looks like it's purposely like like feathery and like like ethereal. And again, I'm going to stick to angelic. That's what I meant. Not like, hey, you look wispy, like your whole head is evaporating. I, I meant like specifically, you know, the, the in 
Like, if I did that to my hair, like, what do you call it? Like, hey, thin it out. Thin my hair out, barber. Like, thin my hair. I want it thinner. It doesn't mean thin my entire head. It means, like, you know, the very the very end or the tips or whatever. Okay, I'm done. I, I, I think the colloquial meaning of wispy is when Nate puts his foot in his mouth. <clears throat> yes. Sure, define words to mean whatever you want. No, I got my father's hair. My mother has, when I was growing up, she had waist-length raven black curls. She's very Sicilian. And I was always so jealous my brother got her hair. And I got my dad's Scottish, you know, balding at 30, mousy, <laughs> wispy hair. I'm, I'm deeply sorry for hitting that nerve. So sad. It's been a lifetime trauma, Nate. Is there forgiveness in your heart? No, yeah, no, it's, I'm already, I'm good. I'm just warning you men out there, never describe your wife's hair as wispy. Yeah, guys, I'm so glad I didn't describe anyone as that. <sighs> what a rough day. I think it's going all right. a quiet day there was lots of ratchet activity on clubhouse yesterday so i think everyone got it out of their system define ratchet this time oh there was a big room that like a lot of people were blocked out of so then other people were playing the audio in the room there was one room that all the blocked people were in and the audio was being streamed to and then we're all was it about christian it. stuff or non -Christian yeah yeah no stuff? it was the calvinist calvinist thing so there's like i don't know do you know prashant I've heard that name, but I don't. Oh, oh yeah, I, I do. I, I do know him kind of vaguely. He's yeah, he's like bit. super right wing conspiracy theorist, super Calvinist Is he guy. Calvinist. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, so I know Prashant from the political rooms, um, but then he, you know, I think he's gotten saved recently within the past year and has been doing a lot of studying, and so he's talking more about Christianity, which is pretty cool. Um, Same but he does Calvinism. Yes. Yeah. He went straight into, yeah, there was no, there's no in between. He went zero to a hundred. He went straight to Calvin. Uh, uh, um, so he hosted a room yesterday that had a whole bunch of the Calvinists talking about, you know, things. It just went exactly the way you would expect it to go. But then like the people who could actually, ugh, I don't want to word it that way. What do I want to say? Many people were blocked from the room who probably should have been there. <laughs> oh, well. But I mean, it wasn't. It was fine. It was just, the conversation was just exactly what it what it usually is. Was that the atonement is for the elect? Prove me wrong. I don't know the title of the room because I was blocked. <laughs> yeah, that was it. And there are no replays. But then they they streamed it, and like Lynn and Jeff streamed it in their room, so there are replays there. But it was just a lot of personal attacks and you know unhappy uh -huh. things and. Yeah, it was. So everybody got it out of their system. Do you find the political rooms more um, um, divisive than the Christian rooms? Well, that's an no. interesting question. No, I mean maybe not. Maybe not recently, but traditionally. No. So that's where I came from. That's how I know Serendipity and Prashant and some of the others. Monica, CEO, yeah. like I know you guys from the political side. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm interested to hear what serendipity says, but I think the Christian rooms are more 
because the political rooms go exactly the way you would expect where it's like, okay, you know, this person, I don't know. It's exactly as nasty as politics can get, but the Christian rooms, they will go straight into like, you're not saved. Your entire life is a lie. You're going straight to like the cuts are Christians go straight. So, so it's like, it's like um, on paper, like politics would be worse, but because you know exactly how bad it's going to be, it like doesn't phase you versus in a Christian room. It's like everyone's like, oh, brother, yes, sister, oh, yes, brother, until someone steps one step out of line, then they're like, you're demon possessed. It's like, whoa, I did not see that coming. Would yeah, that do you think that's serendipity? It's like the worst thing I'll hear in a political room is is some accusation of like, you don't care if children die or you murder babies or you, <laughs> right. you know, it'll be something like that. Mm-hmm. But in a Christian room, it's like, you are going to hell. Your parents are going to hell. Everyone you know and love is going to hell. Um, You're a queen you of the heretics. It's nothing queen of heretics. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that was fine. Breath and life. Like, yeah, no, the Christians will go straight for like your soul, but the politics are like. You don't even have to really disagree with them for them to come at you. Right. And, and. Honest to God, like start cussing you and swearing you, and it's you hold Christians, I think, to a higher standard. I guess you just expect that there's going to be a little bit more um, grace and humility in those conversations, and then boy, you do you say one wrong thing, and bam, they're coming at you. It always baffles me, like the amount of like Christians that you know, like swear, like how we were talking about the other day. And, uh-huh. and not just not just like, oh, I'm a miserable sinner that I am. Oh, who will save me? Oh, F this, F that. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, you're clearly struggling working through some stuff. But people who are, you know, like have like apologists, like all in their name tag and like, you know, I'm like a 30-year Christian. Like I, I have like all this, all this Christian stuff and accolades. And those people, it's like, well, I mean, if you're going to like, you know, build yourself up in such an idol, I mean, at least don't drop as many F-bombs. To which I usually get F-bombs leveled at me. (laughs) So the political rooms, to me at least, like um, the divisiveness over Trump just gets so ridiculous. Both the people who have Trump derangement syndrome and the people who are just like super pro him no matter what he does. And there is normally six or seven people that are like super intense in the political rooms at once and i find in the christian rooms maybe you have two or three so i tend to think like the political rooms get more heated um and personalized though i do understand steph's point that you go in there with that expectation and i will go into political rooms to like release some energy sometimes right versus i come into christian rooms to really kind of hear and learn and all that sort of stuff yeah that's a good point you're not going into political rooms to learn you you're going in there to to holler at people but I just feel like the insults are, I saw this meme recently that was like, I've never been burned as bad as I was by like a 1940s hymn in the Baptist church, where it's like, and then there's like a little picture of a hymnal that shows the lyrics are like, I am a wretched, disgusting, horrible <laughs> sinner, you know? And it's like, you can't even hurt my feelings. I grew up singing Baptist hymns. Right. And so it's like, that is, that is so like, that is the kind of thing that occurs in the Christian rooms, but doesn't occur in the political rooms. I don't know. Maybe it's personal. Like I can disagree with people on politics, but with faith, with Christianity, it's like that cuts me deeper. I don't know. See, it, 
for for me it's like the opposite like for me like i don't know it's just it's somehow easier i guess because you know we can't empirically prove faith or religion or god or spirituality or like we we can't pull jesus out of heaven and be like hey here he is guys see um so i don't know there's a little more grace if people are you know reasonable about it i mean if people just yell and scream i mean we we can't talk about like just obvious trolls or like unhinged people like that doesn't count but like whenever you're having people like trying to have a normal discussion they're like no i don't believe it i think you're wrong i think you're you know brainwashed and foolish and blah 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 i'm like okay well i get that it's not fun to hear but i i can give a little more grace for that because it's like well i can't prove my point it's by faith i think there's evidence for it good evidence and you should check it out but i can't prove it the way you need it to be proven versus in politics it's like we have voting records. We have running records. We have executive orders. Like we have actual things that happen. Um, we we have like hours and hours of clips of politicians saying things. So whenever people refuse in everyone's estimation to take empirical data, um, like straight up evidence, um, that bothers me. So and that's so much easier to get for me to come unglued on. I'm like. What is wrong with you? Why are you brainwashed? And then other people make, oh, well, you're brainwashed too, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, we have facts and we have data and we have a lot of lies that we have to sift through, but uh, there's a lot more, you know, hardcore proof, like stone cold proof, especially like video of the people saying the same thing over and over and over. It's like, this is their position. This is what they said. It's like, no, it didn't happen. I'm like, oh Lord. Anyway. So yeah, polit politics are dangerous for me. I, I get myself in trouble. Like if you've heard it when we talk about it here, like I, I get more passionate about politics usually, um, you know, fighting with people who disagree than than religion. Because I'm like, okay, well look, um, there's a God, there's a Jesus. You need to repent. If you don't, you're gonna burn in hell. I don't want that. So you know, you should repent. But if you don't, that's your choice, and I respect your choice. Yeah, I mean, sometimes what I'll just do for fun is if I'm in a pro biden room i'll just be really pro do those trump exist or pro see i'm doing it um and if i'm in a like super pro trump room then i'll play the other side as well that's entertaining to see people get flustered how many pro biden like rooms that. are there um so whenever you see like bugga in a room and otis hurricane otis uh those they they have quite a, a few rooms like that you have, you have to kind of be friends with them to to see those rooms Oh, well, the Lord hath spared me. I don't know either of those guys. Speaking of politics, anyone pay attention to the primaries last night? No one cares? Um, yeah, I, uh, I was surprised. I know most people expected Trump to blow her out. I actually was surprised that he won by that much. So I do think it speaks to his strength overall. I, I was expecting a much closer race. Well, also, like New Hampshire's not, you know, super MAGA country. <laughs> um, I have a feeling in South Carolina, it's going to be that landslide. And that's in her state. But you've already got like all the people in South Carolina like campaigning for Trump. So like the, the senators, the congressmen, like, um, yeah, I have a feeling she's going to, it's going to be embarrassing. She, she should, um, she should get out of a race right before South Carolina, unless the polls change significantly because she shouldn't like end the cycle getting embarrassed in her own home state. That would just be bad. Yeah. 
I think it could be political suicide for her not to get out of the race before then. I was, can I change topics real quick? Because I have a question. Sure. You. Okay. So, so Steph, since you're into like a lot of the mental health stuff, I wanted to ask you, like, when people are like, let's say you have a guy and he said, feels like he's struggling with the Jezebel spirit, right? And then he ends up changing his life and does better and, you know, stops lusting so much. Like, should we just chalk that up as a good thing and say, hey, he had some psychological dynamic that helped him understand and name his struggle and then overcome it? Or should we, like, argue about how biblical that is? I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Huh, I might need you to clarify the question. You you said there's a guy who's been struggling with promiscuity and then stops? Yeah, yeah. So let's say, so let's say Johnny, right? You know, Johnny's struggling with promiscuity and lust significantly, and someone tells him that he's struggling with the Jezebel spirit, right? And then he kind of takes that on and says, "Okay, I'm struggling (laughs) with the Jezebel spirit," and so it almost gives him a target of something to focus on and overcome, and then he successfully does overcome that. Should we focus on, great, he overcame, and that was a mechanism he used, and that's wonderful, or should we focus more on, like, how biblical or not was him kind of taking that approach? Oh, that's interesting. Okay, um, well, I am not an expert on spiritual warfare, but I tend to shy away from, like, this is a spirit of, this is a Jezebel spirit, this is a spirit of... uh, Oh, whatever. You can put any adjective there. So Sneaky squid spirit. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. It's sort of like, I don't know how how all that works. And I know there are people who study it and who would have a very different input than me, but it's like, if this is a a spirit of oppression in our marriage, right? That's kind of like, well, maybe, and maybe there are real things that we can do to fix the marriage. But if if feeling like there is a, an element of spiritual warfare going on that needs to be conquered causes you to pray more and seek the Lord's will, then hallelujah. Um, I think there are enough solid Christians who hold to those views of how spirits act that they could still be well within the realm of Christianity, right? So it would depend, like in the situation you're describing, if this guy says, I had a spirit that was oppressing me that caused me to struggle with promiscuity. I prayed and I was delivered from it. Well, hallelujah. I don't think anybody needs to correct that guy. That's fine. Um, But certainly I would say to myself, okay, there's also the element that he prayed more, that he focused on what the Lord wanted, that he was studying in the word, that he was keeping good friends and good mentors that were helping him stay accountable. He changed his company and he changed his behaviors and that led to this good outcome. And like, Again, I'm not forsaking the element of God's intervention. I think that's a crucial part. Um, but I think a lot of the time God's intervention comes through means that we would recognize, again, surrounding yourself with different company. If he's surrounding himself with if himself with Christian men, that's going to have a better outcome. You know? So yeah, I guess I wouldn't correct him, but in my head I'd I'd be a little less worried yeah. about those the sneaky squid spirit. And I, I think I agree with where or I, I, I think CEO was kind of leaning that uh, yeah the good has been done right so like instead of like making a mountain out of a molehill or you know winning the battle to lose the war um 
and whatever other clever cliche. But yeah, someone's like, I had the spirit of Jezebel upon my life and I prayed and God hath broke it. I'm like, exactly what Steph said. So I'm just reiterating her. I'm like, okay, great. So you don't have that issue anymore? Okay, great. Praise God. Um, I mean, if they keep focusing on it, I'm, I may say something like, I don't know. Because, um, you know, I mean, the Bible says, you know, whenever we're drawn away, no, don't say God's tempting me. Like we're drawn away of our own desires and stuff. So it doesn't explicitly say, um, you know, we're drawn away and tempted by demons and spirits and devils or whatever. But I mean, I, I think that's logical to assume. But I mean, we shouldn't only assume it's like demons and devils when we're tempted or have issues with lust or pride or whatever the issue is. Because, you know, the Bible makes very clear that we do plenty of that of totally our own volition, our own desires. Um, so just attributing it automatically to some sort of spirit. Um, I, yeah, I would be very skeptical of that. I wouldn't dismiss it, but I wouldn't say 100%. Um, but yeah, I, I would not make a, like if the problem solved, it's solved. So like where you said, well, even if they say it's a sneaky squid spirit, but it was really just their own proclivities. Um, if that, sneaky squid gave them something to target and to focus on um, as, as like a mental object to target and the problem is solved, then congratulations, praise God. Sneaky squid spirit. Yeah, I might I might yeah. draw my line at that one, though. That one's really <laughs> hard for me. Or like the Marine Kingdom. Like when Chris yeah. first brought that up, I thought he was joking. And then I learned it was a thing. But now I hear like, more and more people like really talking about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Like, no, stop it. That yeah, marine kingdom of like bad spirits and demons for those who don't know what the marine kingdom is. Great. I just started like a third wave marine kingdom. Great. Yeah, the spirit thing I struggle with when people use it that way. Um, I was in a small home church maybe two years ago and actually Pastor Mark and Pastor Malak helped me walk through this situation. Um, and, you know, we were very involved in this church and it was during COVID when in New York, you couldn't go to church, you know, they were giving people tickets in the parking lot and everything. But so it was a small church and it was, I think, six couples. And then four of them got divorces in the same year. Um, one of which being the pastor and his wife who were running the church. Um, and it was just like, there was infidelity in every single situation. And so it was like, Okay, this is a, a spirit of oppression on this church. Like there is something. So my husband and I actually ended up, we prayed a lot about it. I, like I said, I got a lot of guidance from Pastor Mark and then I left and I was on the board of like this recording studio they had. I resigned from the board and it was quite a, quite oh, yeah, a big, I remember that. Yeah. So that, um, that situation, I was like, wow, there is something evil at work here and I, and I don't want anything to do with it. And we ran like my husband and I just eventually like have you kept tabs? Do you know what happened to them? Yeah, because the pastor's wife, ex-wife, is a good friend of mine. So, and her name is Amy. So Amy um, is still very much in my life and she is struggling as a single mom. She's getting a lot of help from the church community, but she stayed Not home with church, her right? children. Not that church, no. She and I attend the same church um, and, you know, we have dinner together every Sunday and our kids are the same age and we, they play together all the time. So Amy's a very, very, very good friend. So she is, she's better, but she doesn't feel like she's better. Like she still wants her old life back, but looking at it from the outside, it's like you are free from a horrible situation. And one day you'll wake up and realize that you're free. Um, but she, that hasn't happened to her yet. So, you know what I mean? Like she's in that, 
yeah, she's she's still very sad. Yeah, that was horrible. This man, he cheated on her eight times and he had convinced her that if she told anybody that he was not that she was not being a submissive wife. And um, then he finally left her for another pastor's wife who left her husband for they left each other's whatever. Both did the same thing. And then, um, yeah, it was really nasty. And then he wanted to be with them both at the same time. So he started saying that he didn't feel any conviction from the Lord about it, but that Amy should feel conviction because she was under his, they weren't divorced technically. So she was still under his authority and he wanted her to behave as his wife while he had this other, and he's like pulling all these Bible verses about like, you know, it's fine for me to have multiple wives. It was very weird. Like the whole thing. Is he still trying to say he's a pastor of some kind? Or is yes. he giving that up? <laughs> no. So he moved to a town about an hour away where he's from because he moved back in with his mom. Because what ended up happening <laughs> was, I know, exactly. Does he have a basement? Yeah. Yeah. He's in the, no, he's in his childhood bedroom with like his race car sheets and stuff. You know, this guy's a loser. So he has a lot of, I think he has a lot of untreated mental health issues. Like, you know, but that's whatever. So he, the girl that he, the woman that he left his wife for ended up okay wait I get to I get to tell this story real quick I'm gonna try to keep this brief Amy texts me at 11 30 p.m on a Tuesday night and says her name was Jennifer I just got the weirdest text from Jennifer this was a year after the husband had left her and they were living together and all this stuff right attending church and it's blessed in the church and whatever else so She's like, I just got a really weird text from Jennifer. And I'm like, what does it say? And she sends this screenshot because this woman had never reached out. This is the other woman, you know. So Jennifer had texted Amy, the ex-wife, and been like, has John been talking to you? Like, of course he had. He had been trying to push Amy into like some weird threesome situation, right? And so Amy said, do you need to talk to John about that? And then Jennifer said, so is that a yes? And Amy said, I'm sorry, I don't want to be in the middle of this. Whatever is going on between you two is between you two. The next morning at seven o'clock, the Binghamton New- <laughs> News reports that a house had burned to the ground <coughs> under mysterious circumstances. <laughs> this woman burned the house down with with the pastor in it. <laughs> He's fine. Did he, he live? live? Yeah, no, okay. I wouldn't be laughing if he died. Uh, he had to jump out the window, and his glasses melted, and then oh. he was. Amy about how he had to jump out the second floor window and how he couldn't afford new glasses because they melted in the house fire and it was so sad and I was just laughing I'm still laughing about this it's so funny so then he moved back in with his mommy then they got back together like John he didn't press charges against this woman because he was like well she was just really mad it's really not a big deal whatever so now he's living again with this woman who had burned the house down they go on a camping trip And she files charges against him for being physically abusive. Now, I actually don't believe that that's true um, because for all of the horrible stuff he did to Amy, he never laid a hand on her. So I don't think that's true. But she ended up having him arrested for some sort of domestic altercation and then got a restraining order. So now he's with his mommy again. So that's the happy. Meanwhile, Amy is working the first job she's ever had as an adult. She's been raising children for her oldest, oldest daughter is 26. So she's been at home raising children for 26 years, being a good wife, you know, never had her own bank account. Now she's got a nice new Subaru. She's working at a bakery. She's got a cute little apartment. She feels really sad, but like her, she's got it together. Okay. So that's the whole update there. So moral of the story is 
in one sentence, Steph, you would say? Um, don't leave your spouse of 28 years for a woman who would burn your house down and then get back together with said woman after that happens and keep it going like it's cool. Don't be a scumbag. Follow Jesus. There, <laughs> What's up, Michael? Good morning. Good morning, Nate. How are you? Morning. Good. Hey, I had a, I had, I had something to say, uh, kind of piggybacking off of Steph, because I had something similar, similar, that happened to that same degree. But I don't really want to get into all of that because I know that's, that could be lengthy. Just like Steph probably pretty, pretty much had to kind of summarize that up and not take the long route. But how would you actually uh, help somebody? from the outside looking in but you see everything uh as far as the the the, the analogies and th different things of that nature of uh, what's going on or what has happened as an outcome of you know the, the the husband and the wife and the infidelity and all that type stuff how would you speak to the individual such as the man that was doing that actual you know sinful act and expect the woman to still be submissive. How would you speak to that man in reference to like helping, you know, cause that person could be a, I guess under the, under the, you know, I don't know, uh, psychotic, whatever, uh, meaning, uh, could be a narcissistic person or, you know, just misinformed on a whole lot of stuff biblically. Oh, so like, like the pastor who got in his head that, you know, having multiple wives is cool and all that and using scripture to justify it. Like, how did you speak to that guy in that scenario? No, yeah, that scenario, but yeah, in a sense of like helping that person to understand and know that, hey, you, you, you're the one that's wrong. You know, they're the one that's wrong or whatever, in a sense of like trying to make some, you know, the wife submit to, uh, you know, uh, look like a really I mean, I don't know uh, if this is the, the way. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if this is the biblical answer, but I mean, probably just beat him with a Bible. But I mean, seriously, a pastor of, you know, how many years, like he obviously knows this and he clearly kept it together for what, 28 years, um, knowing that this was not the right way. So all of a sudden now he's pulling this rabbit out of the hat, trying to justify it. Um, I, I'm going to say all day long, that's the, you know, you're being led away by your own selfish desires and you're trying to use the Bible to justify it, uh, you know, just like any other terrible thing people have done and tried to pull out and torture Bible verses to bend it to their will. Because if you just read, like, you know, go, uh, tell the guy, like, look, you know this. Like, how do you get around all these other scriptures that talk about, you know, uh, treat your life, uh, wife as Christ treats the church, like all this other stuff, like sacrifice your body, uh, you know, sacrifice your wife and all this other stuff. It's like, how do you get around those? You don't. You're ignoring those because you're willfully, deliberately trying to twist a few scriptures to get what you want. Um, I mean, that's the answer. And if that doesn't work, then, you know, as Jesus with the whip and the money changers, maybe just start beating him with the Bible. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And at the end of the day, it's, it, 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 you know, the woman is the one that's left to suffer as well as the kids. You know, and it's mainly, I guess, the kids that's, you know, in a position where the mother has to basically start all over. Because I, I know of a situation exactly like what Steph is talking about. 
and you know the mother is left to kind of you know defend for herself start all over get a bank account and is everything is brand new because like over probably 40 years 35 to 40 years you know it was just dependency upon the husband to be the breadwinner so it's like you know at the end of the day it's like you know the hurt the pain the suffering the mental scar the mental this that and the third that's going on but it's like the the husband actually is just going on as if you know oh i'm not the one that's wrong it's you you need to you know be beat into submission type thing you know yeah CEO, you have any thoughts sorry i was on the phone i didn't get the gist oh well, never mind. I think we got it. Yeah, I got the gist of everything, though, Nate. Yeah, it's clearly messed up. <laughs> well. I think Steph said she would be back. Well, if Steph's not back, I actually am going to have to run to go pick up this bicycle and see if it fits in the trunk of my car. I mean, I'm not great at math, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen. But I, I have to um, at least try to get it like halfway in enough that I can like, I don't know, tie the bungee cord, the trunk down or something so it doesn't fly out while I'm driving. We'll see how that goes. Do you have the, the car where the little thing is on the top where you can strap it or ratchet strap it to the top of the car? Oh, no, no. <laughs> Unfortunately not. I, I think it'll fit in there enough that I can um, like bungee cord the thing down. I hope. We'll find out. Either my kid will have a nice uh, new bike today or, well, nice Facebook Marketplace bike today, or she won't. You got it off Facebook? <gasps> I'm getting it off Facebook. Facebook's great. Like, we're, I mean, we're trying to teach our kids that, you know, every time they need something, um, they don't need, like, the, the brand new, like, best whatever. Especially, like, a bicycle. Like, they, they rarely ride these. It's only when my parents, like, come to visit that they even ride their bicycles. So I'm like, well, we don't need to buy a brand new bike that you're, you're never even going to ride. Um, so yeah, Facebook Marketplace is great for things like that. And like, I, I got a, a dog cage there and like... Um, How far away from the house do you let them ride? Oh, uh, I don't. Um, either I don't even like letting them ride the driveway if I'm not out there to watch. So, I mean, whenever I'm with them when we go on bike rides, like, we'll, I mean, we'll ride like... We're going like a four mile bike. Yeah, ride. no, I meant by themselves. I just think it's fascinating, and I'm not, and I'm not blaming you because I think it's just what modern parents do. It's just fascinating how much we've put the restraints on compared to when we grew up. Well, I mean, society kind of did that for us, right? I would argue. 
And it's also like, you know, we're, I don't we're, know I, if it's just society though. I feel like some of it is just style preference as well. I just think we are different from our parents in terms of how we see the world. I don't think it's just purely about, well, I think the world is different. That's yeah. That's like true. how often do you hear about like stolen kids and like, you know, kids being trafficked when, you know, when we were young, like rarely. Now you can't even turn on the news like without someone being stolen somewhere. So, and it's also the area, like, you know, depending on the area we lived in, I mean, like we live in what, you know, people would probably call a reasonably safe area. Um, but there's still a lot of through traffic. Like there's a lot of workers. Uh, there's a lot of, yeah, like workers, construction, like um, a lot of people that don't live in this community that travel through the community. Um, so it's like, well, any one of them could have some ill motives and, uh, you know, just be like, oh, well, there's a kid. Um, so, yeah, and, and that didn't really exist, especially in the town I grew up in. Um, so, yeah. Well, uh, uh, well, Epstein was doing what he was doing in the 90s, right? So I think there clearly was trafficking and all that. I just wonder to what degree, since we have social media and we just hear about it more, if that is what's influencing behavior. Well, also consider the area, though. Like, in the inner city New York, you're probably going to have a very different outlook. And, like, hey, kid, you know, don't go more than four miles away. Like, I mean, that may be as well to Mars in New York versus, uh, you know, if you're in a country town where the next uh, the next road doesn't intersect for, like, you know, the four miles. I think it's every mile, but whatever. Um, you're like, okay, go to the end of the road and back, and it's like a four-mile trip, and they're not going to see a soul. It's like, well, that's very different. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's lots that's to fair. take in. I mean, that's yeah, fair. the world is getting worse, not better. Um, you know, crime is increasing, especially with, like, trafficking and stuff like that, I believe. But also, you know, in, in this area, like, there are still a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people that don't live here that are through traffic. So it's basically just 100, you know, maybe like 100 strangers a day who lives who knows where that they could just grab a kid and run. Good luck with and I mean, I and I mean, I used to be a cop, so I mean, I I don't know how much that plays into it. I like to think it's just common sense, but um, yeah, I have a pretty pretty high uh, security. Um, I, I don't know. Focus. And not to mention just regular safety, right? Like, I mean, they're still kids, so I mean, you could take goodness. You could take like a 18 year old today and be like, okay, here's your bike, go. And they'll get smashed by a car. Be like, what? I didn't know I was supposed to look both ways or. So, I mean, there's still just the general safety, too. Like, you know, what could happen? What if it's just an accident and there's no ill intent? Accidents still happen. Um, yeah. And as much as I keep harping on my kids, I'm like, look both ways, look both ways, look both ways, stop at intersections, stop at intersections, stop before intersections. Like, what if that's the one time their brake cable snaps? Which actually happened, uh, like the other day, which is why we're getting a new bike. Uh, their brake cable snapped, and, um, you know, they just kept on coasting. Thankfully, I mean, I was there, so I'm like, go to the grass, go to the grass. I'm like, it'll slow down, just go to the grass. Um, if I wouldn't have been there and that would have happened, I mean, that's not something that's happened to them before. So maybe they just would have been freaked out and be like, oh, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, and just like, you know, coasted straight into the road and got smacked by a truck. So there, there's lots of reasons besides just... Um, 
I guess, what we're talking about. Cool. Have a good day, my friend. Yeah, I'm trying to finish the rest of this Fortnite game first. <laughs> Anyone have anything to say before I go? Or maybe, oh, I did finish that quest. All right. <laughs> Off to get a bike. See you all later.